back to CB Sports Week 3, baby. Episode 3, February 8th. Uh, hey, we dated it. You remember? Yes, That's right. I know, dude. I, I had even... to. I had to. I looked. Like, <laughs> I just looked. I had my laptop up, and I'm like, dude, it's February 8th. I, mean, I got to remember to do that. And it's also noteworthy because I was like, oh, it's a Friday. We're doing the Friday edition of, yeah, late. of CB Sports. Sliding into the weekend here late. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> episode three yeah we're gonna try and keep it on tuesdays and wednesdays you know that's i think that's where we're aiming for the next episode but friday today and uh yeah man what uh what's going on how you doing oh man doing doing well i personally do not have a super bowl hangover so that's <laughs> that's good um we we watched the we watched the super bowl together like we said on the last we did last we did podcast and, and was not you rocked. Yeah. You rocked your I, Carlos Hyde jersey. I did. Yeah, you rocked I, I your might, Niners. I did. I did. Black I, Niner jersey. You know, I had to like everyone had like Niner stuff on that was like watching here. Well, besides you, but you know, like everyone True, else, I was like, everyone my, else did. Noah says, so, Pete, Pete Rivers, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Pete Rivers. So uh, yeah, so I was like, you know, yeah, let me let me just do that. But but yeah, so we watched watched the game together, and then um, kind of a snoozer a little bit. But yeah, I mean, most people are hating. You know, we'll. Uh, Oh yeah, you know it's. We'll get into it later. Uh, th- we want to say this is a special episode here of uh, CB Sports, other than it being our third episode and being a Friday episode. Um, we're gonna have Bobby the Brick, special guest, our first special guest of the podcast, dude. Yeah, we've made it. We yeah, we did. We we got we we're getting, we're getting features and everything. So. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Bobby Bobby the Brick, Bobby McKeon is gonna be joining us uh, in a little bit. We will get to our call that we had with Bobby, um, and we will discuss the Super Bowl there. But yeah, a little bit of a snoozer, but you know, it was good times, good chow. Uh, we didn't. I didn't win any money in the squares. Neither did you. Your mom won some money, right? And yeah, yeah, and, we did. We Kyle. did squares, and yeah, Kyle we, won. Um, Kyle won some bucks and. Kyle kind Noah. of swooped in and didn't Noah win ten? Yeah, I think so. Noah, I don't know. We were we Noah were the we were the big go. losers. We didn't win we anything, but anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, our predictions were way off. By the way, terrible. Uh, I don't know. I just I just think it's hilarious that I think everybody's predictions for the Super Bowl are probably got probably off, right? Oh, for sure. I, yeah. I don't think there was Although anybody. I, I read some article that some guy bet that. Uh, that the Rams are only going to get three points. See, so somehow bet yeah, that he won like. I saw that too. He some crazy amount of money. I think he, he bet like which was it was already crazy. Like he bet like twenty five hundred on it. I think and won like a hundred thousand. I think which he only is bet like, like two hundred fifty bucks. Really? Bet, I thought yeah. it was. I thought it was like still like kind of. I thought it was just a couple amount. hundred bucks. That's oh, what maybe I it was. Maybe a couple hundred. But because know, of but. like the odds of whatever he bet on, where it's so low. He won a huge payout. I don't know. Maybe it was twenty five. I have no idea. I don't have it in front of me. We're just either way. That know. dude. That dude has a Super Bowl hangover for sure. He's probably Definitely. just been drinking away all the money all week. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to a variety of topics with Bobby. Um, but before we do that, uh, we want to make sure we get to a little bit of National Signing Day uh, talk because that happened this past Wednesday. My date's correct. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. So you know we're both. We both have some Cal football connections here, you know, Cal football fans, despite the fact that neither of us are Golden Bears. That's not where we went. Hey, but my, my dad went there. So your dad have, went like, there. My know. dad went there. Well, my there dad go. went there. there my brother go. went there. There you go. Uh, you one up me. Your dad played sports there. He did, yeah. He, he played soccer. Yeah, he, he played soccer. He was a goalkeeper. Football. As as some would say. Yeah. Goal! <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, yeah, so National Signing Day. Let's talk a little bit about Cal. Um what do we got to say about this football team and you know from where they were before national signing day and what we can say after uh 
what are we thinking? I mean, their bowl game was horrific. We know that uh, against TCU, they had some unbelievable amount of turnovers there, right? It was yeah, pretty, whew, pretty bad to watch. But it seems Justin Wilcox, it, other than just shifting around his offensive staff, because he's 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 moving all these guys that he had around, uh, like Bo Baldwin. Uh, he moved his offensive coordinator, Bob Baldwin, to the quarterback's coach. Uh, according to an article, he wants to get the play caller in the meeting room with the players that are making the throws. And that contributes to the quarterback position for Cal. Seems like after this National Sign Day is going to be you know, up for grabs between a number of guys. And you got Chase Garbers. Um, he's going to get some competition from these two guys. Uh, Devin, Devin Modster. I, I, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing his name right. I'm not sure. Devin Modster and Jack Newman. Uh, Monster is a UCLA transfer. Um, he visited the Bears in December. And yeah, he's supposed to be, I think, the guy that's going to be the immediate guy to challenge Garbers for the for the number one spot in the QB slot. And, and, and Jack Newman uh, is, a, uh, I believe, a walk-on uh, coming in from a uh, transfer walk-on coming in from San Francisco Community College, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that's, that, that's intriguing, you know, to see if uh, the Bears could get you know, maybe uh, an improvement from Jace Garbers in the quarterback position. Um, you know, Brandon McIlwain, who was supposed to be this potential quarterback prodigy, is now actually going to be listed as an athlete. So he could making, be making a making run. Making a switch. Yeah, it seems like he'll be, in, you know, I don't know if he'll be in the mix for maybe playing running back or wide, wide out or something. So maybe kind of like uh, kind of like an Edelman. You know, Edelman played quarterback in college and, and look at him, he's... Super Bowl wide MVP. receiver, he's yeah, Super Bowl MVP right there. So, which I didn't know. I didn't know he was a. I didn't know he was a quarterback. They said that I think. I think at the Super Bowl during the broadcast, they, they were saying he was like, yeah. Well, because he, he had played against Sean McVay, I think. Actually, yeah, that's that's, yeah. What, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, clearly Cal needs. Uh, you know, they 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 need some help, and they need to. I mean, they don't have nowhere to go really, but up. Uh, after last year, you know, they finished last in the Pac-12 in scoring with 21.5 points per game. Last in total offense and third down conversions, only 35%. So, uh, and they were the worst in the red zone uh, with only 72% uh, of the time converting a touchdown, uh, converting points only 72% of the time and only scoring a touchdown 49% of the time. So, yeah, I mean, what do you think? You, you we, from any other of these names in this list that Cal Cal got, do you know? Can we expect uh, some better outcomes here for uh, the Bears next next season? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the classes overall. I mean, they were it's kind of middle of the pack, but I mean, you could have done worse. I think that if anything, it's just kind of about you know consistency and kind of like continuing for Wilcox just to continue to kind of get a solid class overall. I mean, there's not. Like, I, I wouldn't say, you know, like they, they blew it away with anybody, but I mean, I think it's a pretty consistency as far as like, you know, you got a, a lot of guys that are like kind of three-star guys. Um, I mean, the guy that probably jumps out the most um, for me, just kind of like looking at their list is uh, Kuani Dang, who was outside linebacker, Juco transfer, uh, and was the top Juco outside linebacker uh, available. And they were able to snag him um, coming back from, I think he played uh in kansas and uh is from virginia so he like kind of came out west coast and um i think he's like probably their their big snag there especially um i kind of reading up on him a little bit you know like he had 
some family in the Bay Area. So I think that kind of played into it a little bit. But um, I think he's a fit. I mean, obviously, we're talking about trying to, you know, improve the offense. But I think even defensively, you know, any guy you can get that's going to make an impact like that is, uh, I think, a pretty notable thing. Um, I think he's he's a guy that, like, they kind of talked to him about, you know, part of the reason why he wanted to come to, to Cal was obviously the education, the degree and all that. But um, he's talking about being a pretty good scheme fit in their 3-4 uh, being a guy that's going to be able to kind of be an outside presence as far as pass, pass rush is concerned. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's definitely a guy to, to keep an eye on, mainly just because of the fact I think, especially as like a Juco guy, can come in and, and probably be a guy that makes an impact like right away. So you'll be able to see him, you know, in the fall and uh, kind of see what he brings to the table like right off the bat for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it was an interesting quote I read uh, that from Wilcox. Um just speaking generally, he, says, he said, quote, every year we have enough flexibility to play to our strengths. What are the strengths going to be? We're going to find out. That's what practice is for and off-season workouts and fall camp. We need to develop an identity. And I think that right there, that last sentence, we need to develop an identity. Cal needs an identity. They need to find out, yeah, what every year they play with enough flexibility to their strengths. What are their strengths? And it seems, going back to the offense here, I think, you know, these quarterbacks that they got seem sound pretty impressive. This Jack Newman guy, he's through 4,000 yards as a senior in high school, and uh, he's coming on as a walk-on, and if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he accepted a preferred, preferred a walk-on offer from Cal instead of taking one of four FBSO scholarship offers. And uh, I think, yeah, the Bears need uh, to improve that offense, man. They, they, led, they led in one thing on offense, and that's interceptions, okay? Yes. Which, is not, were, which no, is not good. No, it's not a good thing. And they they were tw- you know, 20 more than than Colorado, who was trailing them in second place in that category. So it's the Bears need to. I think they have the I think they have the ability to do it. I think Justin Wilcox is a skilled coach, you know, and uh, funny enough, he's a defensive minded coach, but he because he, he was you know former D coordinator at uh, USC actually uh, for a couple of years I was there, but uh, he. Uh, I think yeah, I think there's an emphasis on on getting this offense going, you know, and uh, I don't, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, interesting to see what happens. I don't know. I mean, Cal's usually not one of the big teams that you know is getting national coverage here on uh, National Signing Day. One team that is usually getting coverage on National Signing Day is USC, and uh, they finished their recruiting class um, with their lowest rank since uh, 2001. So in almost the last two decades, they're lowest. They're, they ranked 18th nationally, I believe. And in 2001, they were 20th. Um, I don't have my numbers here in front of me, but I believe they finished without one five-star prospect, which is the first time that's been that's happened in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking just the list that's in front of me from uh, you know 247 Sports is, uh, they have them as seven, seven four-stars, but yeah, no no five-stars. No, and I think they had, uh, what was it, Brew McCoy was, uh, I think, an athlete. Uh, he was an athlete that was listed a five-star, but then once, because, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, the whole drama with that went down. They, they hired Cliff Kingsbury to come in from Texas, former Texas Tech head coach, and uh, to be their offensive coordinator. And and then he started getting some interest from NFL teams, and it seemed like USC was blocking him from getting any getting any interviews or not allowing anybody to interview him. And then you know they were getting criticized for that, and they they turned. I mean, they played. They kind of played this thing off. It was kind of weird, saying like they weren't actually blocked. I don't know. It was weird. But yeah. they eventually let him get interviewed, and of course he gets hired by the Arizona Cardinals. So he dips out after two weeks, you know, <laughs> under Clay Helton, and and that caused I think McCoy to. 
like pick up and leave and he ended up signing with texas uh so i think that was their only five-star guy and they lost him which is kind of a shame and yeah i mean since then now you know usc hired graham graham harrell graham harrell i don't know how to pronounce his name but graham harrell uh and he funny enough is a fellow texas former texas tech red raider uh and played under mike leach um you know, Cliff Kingsbury, obviously. Yeah, I'm saying, I was going to say, I'm sensing a, a trend here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But so it's it's going to be I, my takeaway other than that than USC needs to improve is I, I'm encouraged by this other hire. You know, I think this guy sounds like he's got a, a good sense of, uh, you know, what he learned under Mike Leach because he coached with him also, uh, also at Washington State. He met back up with him a few years back. And uh, he kind of runs that air raid scheme uh model offense that 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 leach does but it's not quote true air raid helton says you know because there's there actually is an emphasis on the running game and i think that's a good thing for usc because that's who usc is you know they they can kill you with the run and they play that play action and get that act you know get that activated and going and, and they can make things happen so i think uh i don't know i think this is i think this is good a good recovery in that sense after what happened with cliff kingsbury and i think honestly like the lack of success in national signing day for usc standards is overshadowed by what happened with the whole kingsbury thing and losing him to the cardinals and then and now hiring this guy and i i think this is a good move forward um as discouraging and dark as it looked but there's still a lot of work to be to be done because obviously usc didn't make a bowl game last year that's that is unacceptable by usc standards <laughs> yeah. so yeah i don't know i'm, I'm happy to I'm happy where they are right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I was gonna kind of put like ask you your perspective, like as far as you know with USC, but I, I think you kind of beat me to the point there as far as yeah with you know the whole Kingsbury thing. Like I feel like that can definitely kind of put things up in the air as far as recruiting goes. Like you know, I mean, I realize that you know it was only like kind of like a two week thing, so you know how much recruiting goes on during that time frame. But at the same time, it's like you said. I mean, you're losing a recruit over kind of being up in the air where we're being like all right like you hired him and now we think we're gonna go with this kind of offense and this style and all of a sudden he goes and it's like all right so where's you know the consistency like you know what i mean so it definitely um yeah i, I think that despite like all of that and how that played out um but like you said i mean you, you think it's a pretty good outcome overall for considering kind of like the circumstances they went through there yeah i do i mean i think it's disappointing that mccoy ended up leaving and going to texas because he you know obviously skilled player and athlete and five star five star athlete but uh and it seemed like he was kind of bonded and getting you know getting along with jt daniels according to a few articles i read and but that you know just wasn't enough to keep him keep him there and i you know i guess you know losing cliff to the nfl was enough to make him feel like he didn't see didn't see enough promise i don't know like yeah it's kind of an when you're coming into a university as elite as usc in, in football it's like and it seems like things are kind of in this turmoil state yeah it doesn't sound as attractive to be going into that program but i think there's bright spots ahead you know this offensive i mean i i also think that jt daniels is gonna have competition i thought jack sears when he came in and made his start i think it was against arizona state last year he had a lot of promise uh and looked good and there's gonna be competition potentially with jt for jt nails for the starting job as well so you know it'll be interesting because i know something that uh kingsbury was quoted in saying was uh the starting quarterback position was going to be an open job open competition for sure and i think that'll be the same despite it not being kingsbury it's going to be graham harrell so i think uh 
Yeah, anytime you're you're having open competition for roles with talented athletes in any franchise or organization, that's a good thing because yeah, and USC is one of those schools. They they have talent. They can they can they you know, and the cream cream is going to rise to the top. So we'll see what happens uh, with uh, with this you know underwhelming class for USC standards. But like you know, I still think. Still, still, it's still it's still okay. a good position to be in. I mean, good if it's if it's in, like underwhelming, know. but it's still a pretty solid class. So yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, you know, it's not, I mean, not yeah. a bad it's thing. It's gonna, it's. I mean, yeah. What, what's it gonna take eventually to dethrone the you know Crimson Tide? I mean, who did they finish number one? Are you looking at the idea of the ranks in front of you? Um, I I can I can look them up real quick. Let's see. Yeah, let's look up these. Uh... Yeah. Of, oh yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Alabama's number one. I mean, like <laughs> like we yeah. Had, we yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. You had uh, Alabama one, Georgia two. Uh, Texas was three. Clemson, where are they? Four? Oh, no, no, Five? I'm scrolling, dude. Oh, uh, ten, ten. Ten. That's what I got. Yeah, right here, ten. I got ten. <sighs> Interesting. Um, Oregon was seven. So they're you know Pac-12. That they were the highest uh, Pac-12 team. Those Nike uniforms, dude. Oh, probably, dude. I mean, like <laughs> you know, it's like oh here you can get a new uniform every week. Every and, week. Yeah, yeah, it's the swag factor well, for sure. Yeah, I, I can't. I love. Uh, I can't wait for college football season. Man, it's the best time of the year. But we have a lot of other. Uh, you know, f- football's officially over now. The Super Bowl, Super Bowl gone, and national signing. I guess the draft. You consider that the. Uh, well, the games. Let's say the games. Yeah, the the games, games are, are over. The games are over, yeah. and then here's all the prep work and and all that. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Well, all right. Well, let's shift over to uh, our call with with uh, Bobby the Brick. Uh, this is our first ever guest, man. This is uh, exciting stuff. So, yeah, here's uh, here's what we had to talk about with Bobby the Brick. So now we are joined by a special guest, our very first uh, guest here on the CB Sports Podcast, Bobby the Brick. Crazy Bobby, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Um, not feeling that crazy today, but it is Friday, so. You know, might get a little crazy as we go on. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Uh, well, where are you calling us from, dude? Where are you at right now? Uh, I, I'm calling, calling from you live from Glendale, California. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful day here, 59 degrees. Uh, you know, pretty clear, actually. There's no smog. Uh, Mama cooked a breakfast with no hogs, so today's a good day. <laughs> Today's a good day, so we're gonna talk. And uh, I guess it's uh, yesterday. What didn't seem like it was that great of a day for uh, Mr. Kevin Durant, KD of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you wanna you wanna touch? You're, you're kind of our NBA specialist here uh, between between the three of us right here. So you wanna touch on a little bit about what's going on with Kevin Durant and his uh, temper tantrum or lack of well, <laughs> whatever. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you called it that because I think our good friend Stephen A. Smith would probably call this a blasphemous distortion of reality of epic proportions that ruins all of our lives and all kinds of hyperbolic crap. But to be honest, um, I think that the thing that's going unmentioned here about the whole Kevin Durant stuff is that people don't realize that the way the NBA is structured and their collective bargaining agreement system is a little bit different than a lot of these other sports franchise leagues. Um, you know, with baseball and football, you have these collective bargaining agreements that happen. Uh, I believe it's like every five or ten years. It's just like a range of years that they have. Um, for the NFL, you know, they're, they're always complaining about the collective bargaining agreement from 2010. Um, and that's going to be up for review coming up pretty soon. 
So the problem with the NBA is that their collective bargaining agreement happens pretty much every year. They get new ad money from advertisers, and when that happens, the salaries, the minimum salaries and the maximum salaries increase. So you saw this happen, I think, with like Harrison Barnes early in the Warriors um, sort of uh, period there when they were doing all this great stuff. Uh, Barnes held out uh, for a year to wait for a better contract. Um, and the reason he did that wasn't because he was seeking out a better contract from other teams. He wanted to stay with the Warriors. It was really just that the Warriors at that time knew that the collective bargaining would come back the year afterwards and they would have more money to give him. And Barnes knew that, so he waited. And I think that's what Kevin Durant's doing here. He knows he's got to take a little bit of a pay cut to keep guys like Iguodala uh, as the sixth man. So if he wants to get a better deal, he knows that he's got to wait for the, uh, that ad money to come in. So I think all this talk about, you know, you know, him leaving to the Knicks or him going, uh, you know, off in free agency and looking for his team, I don't think that's the kind of player he is. You know, Kyrie Irving did it, and, you know, it's not really working out for him in Boston, and now they're talking about Kyrie going to New York also. And I think when you are one of those players like Kevin Durant, a lot of people try to attach labels on you as, well, you're like a Jordan, so you don't need anybody else around him. And there's no player in the history of the NBA that's ever just been one guy going out there and scoring 90 points. You know, every team has had those role players. They've had uh, a secondary Hall of Famer that's made the team win. So with Kevin Durant, I don't see him ever going to another team and thinking that he's in a better situation. They, you know, they have one of the best front offices in, in probably the NBA right now. And if he goes, he's not, I, I really don't see him going anywhere. I don't, I think he's going to stay and just wait for that more money, that, that money to come in, take another pay cut for maybe another two year deal and, uh, and, and stay and keep winning championships. Uh, don't really you don't think you don't think that there it's the it's the whole rumors of him like wanting to team up and try and create a super team in a new location like the New York Knicks, which that's what everybody's saying, right? Like, I, like it seems like the Knicks are unloading cap space to sign these guys, and and obviously Kevin Durant's linked to that, but and everybody's obviously anticipating Kevin Durant with his you know impending free agency, and like, oh, okay, so is he's obviously going to jump to the Knicks, or is he going to jump to the to the Lakers? You think it's this? fact that he's waiting to be able to make more than if he's with the Warriors than if he signed right now. That's exactly what I think is happening. And I also think that if this were one of those, hey, the Knicks is a good idea, why isn't, you know, uh, uh, Bob, My was it Bob Myers, um, he, he actually went to, to my school. Uh, <laughs> it, it's weird. I, I, no, I, I heard him speak actually once and he talked about Clay Thompson, I'm going to go on a tangent here, but Clay Thompson, when he was signing a $60 million contract, the one that's coming up pretty soon, he, uh, they were talking about it and he was like, he was like, Hey, you know, Bob, can we do this tomorrow? I don't really want to sign my contract today. Can I, I need to get back to my dog. He's, he's waiting at home and he's been sitting in there waiting at home and I need to get to him because he needs to go out for a walk. And this is the type of character that Bob Myers looks for. He looks for guys that want to win, that want to play basketball, and don't give a crap about the money. And if you look at the team that he's been making, that's kind of everyone there. They're, they're all basically Chance the Rapper, 
who don't give a crap about the record label. They just want to keep making money in endorsements, and they've been doing that. Because if you win, you make money. So they don't care about what their base salary is because at the end of the day, every one of them is making is rolling in it for the endorsement money. Yeah, and so, that, that allows room for these you know star players to be able to do what nobody thinks that professional athletes do, which is, yeah, take a pay cut. But when you take a pay cut and you allow for the Warriors to have the space to have these these stars all on your roster and then you can turn into a dynasty like we're seeing right before us, right? Exactly. And I also I also kind of think that if if there were any type of rumors, so say say I'm a, a front office I'm I'm the GM of the Warriors. Don't you think I'm gonna try to trade Kevin Durant at the trade deadline? Get like at least hear offers or, or make some offers to get a first or maybe a second round pick for him? But there was nothing. There was no talk of any trades. There was no talk of any offers. There was nothing. It was all quiet, all chirping. And I'm just thinking, like, if if I'm if I know that my player is going to the Knicks next year, why don't I just try to trade him to the Knicks and get some value for him? But I don't think the Warriors have, or, or Durant even has has made any sort of mention that of the Knicks. I think it's all kind of coming from the the media conglomerate ESPN that the world trusts and, and adores so much. And I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here on my on my soapbox and bash ESPN. I mean, they have a 24-hour news cycle. They've got to come up with stories. And I, I just don't, I think that Taking two things out of context that the Knicks are making cap room and Kevin Durant hasn't signed his contract and putting those together and saying, well, obviously Kevin Durant is going to the Knicks. I think it's a little, I, I think it's, uh, it's what we say in the legal field, it's attenuated. It's, it's, there's too much in between those two things for that to actually follow. Um, and I really think that if anything, the Knicks are making cap space for... Uh, the impending uh, departure of Anthony Davis. I I really think that they're going to make a fat offer to Anthony Davis. Um, They got rid of Porzingis and I think they're going to, they're going to put all their focus on him. And then there's another guy in free agency. I'm not sure if it's Kyrie Irving, but there is another guy coming into free agency. It's another superstar and they want to add them too. So they they have two, they have two spots open. So they have two max contracts that are open now yeah. after getting rid of Porzingis. So, you know, I, I tend to think that, that the Knicks are going after Anthony Davis. And and I don't think that the – the I think the Lakers would have to get rid of a lot of guys to get Anthony Davis. I, I don't know if Anthony Davis is in the Lakers uniform next year. I really, well, I think really we, don't. Well, I think what we can touch on – I, I want to go back really quick before we move on to the Lakers because I definitely want to get into that a little bit about the whole drama surrounding the – the trade deadline with them and and what's going on in their locker room and now how they're going to you know what 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 to expect from the Lakers going forward now since they didn't get Anthony Davis at the trade deadline but I want to touch on your point that you made about you know if the Warriors were actually anticipating Kevin Durant's departure why wouldn't they just trade him and get some value do you think that I think some people would say well it's better to have Kevin Durant on your team in this 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 for the remainder of this year to try and ensure another championship and another ring right um but I mean, do you? You're saying on that point, like if they're expecting him to leave, if they were expecting him to leave to go to the Knicks or wherever, um, it, why not trade him to get get something? Because maybe the Warriors could still be confident that they could win the ring even without Kevin Durant on their roster this year. Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, I, 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 I <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but 
if you think about it, in 2015, the Warriors were plenty fine winning a championship uh, without Kevin Durant. True. I mean, you might you might throw at me, oh well, you know they they had uh, what was that guy's name? Um, uh, they had Barbosa, and they they had uh, you know most fates, right? They had Spades. No, I don't think they had Spades that year. Oh, no. Had, okay. uh, it was, it was, we had Andrew Bogut and we had oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dealey. So those guys are like, you put them together and they basically make Kevin Durant. No, I mean, I, I really think that if you look at the Warriors and their, and their system, uh, they're, they're really not going to be wasting their time, um, you know, with this whole, okay, well, Kevin Durant's leaving. He's not. I mean, if they really got rid of it, they, they would just look to the future and be like, okay, like maybe we can trade. Like I, I don't. This is what I could. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't believe that Kristaps Porzingis got traded to the Dallas Mavericks, and the Warriors didn't even think. Well, they've got a similar guy to Kevin Durant, who's younger, who could we could build around for the future. Also, why don't we just give him Durant right now? You know, save that whole talk, and we can get their Porzingis guy, and boom, you know, boom, pow, pow. We've got ourselves a great team. Um, and you know, I, I, that didn't happen. And the Warriors, maybe you're right. Maybe those people would say, those people saying that they're doing it so that they can ensure a championship. But I think it's really short sighted. And given their, their track record recently, it's, they've been kind of doing a lot of long term games. I mean, nobody expected Clay Thompson and Steph Curry to, to become the two best three point shooters ever. I mean, nobody saw that, but they were in going for the long term game with those guys. They waited it out until they hit their prime, and they took advantage of it with a couple of free agent signings and and some really great talent development. So I, I don't, I just the thing is is like I, I just don't see Kevin Durant in another uniform other than the Warriors next year. And you know you got this thing recorded, so you know you can call me out on this a year from now and be like, <laughs> hey man, you're full of baloney. But I, I honestly think that he's you'll see him in a Warriors uniform next year, and and I think I mean. I just think it's it's something that people people don't realize about the players that end up signing with the Warriors. I don't think you're I don't think people realize that when you sign with the Warriors and Bob Myers sees something in you and he approaches you to be on that team, that's him basically telling you like point blank like I think you have what it takes to be a part of our system and I want you here. And I'm sure there's been plenty of free agents that have come to this team and they aren't the type of player the Warriors want. And you've seen him leave. You saw Swaggy P come in and he gets he gets that one ring last year and then he's gone. You know? And they get him in there and maybe it was just, all right, this was a one-year thing. Let's get you out of here. Um, I don't think Bob Myers is going to go after somebody that doesn't want to win and that doesn't want to keep winning. I mean, if Kevin Durant wants to just go off to another team... He, he's more than welcome, but at this point, I, I don't think he's going to because he's basically going to pass up arguably one of the greatest dynasties ever, one of the greatest uh, front offices ever, and you guys live there. I mean, tell me not. Isn't the Bay Area probably one of the better sports towns in the country? I well, mean, yeah. I mean, we're obviously biased, but yeah. of course. And and, and yeah, that, that that's always a question that every time I do hear, you know, Colin Cowherd or, or you know, Stephen, Stephen Smith, it's like, Whenever you hear these guys talking about all this stuff about Durant leaving for, and people are writing about Durant going to the the Clippers plan to try and get Durant, or is Durant going to go play with LeBron in LA, or is he going to go to the Knicks? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, why would any player like want to leave the Warriors in like right now? Why? For sure, dude. And I was just going to jump in on like one thing, kind of 
Like, it's just funny, you, you like, the teams that you mentioned, you know, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Knicks, like, all these all these teams that not only KD, but, like, you know, Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving, all these guys are kind of connected to. It's like, I, I've, I have a feeling, like, the reason why they're kind of jumping the gun here is because, like, they're not winning now. So it's like, all right, like, let's kind of look to, towards the future and maybe hope that we can get these guys and maybe, like, if we throw those names on a wall, like, some of them will stick and you kind of get maybe a little bit more fan interest out of it and stuff. But I feel like with the Warriors, obviously with KD and all them, like, I mean, like like you guys said, it's like it's going back to their trying to focus on winning right now. And so it's like they're they're not going to get into this, all these rumors about who's going where and whatnot. And, you know, like, like a couple days ago, how KD basically said, you know, like, I just want to talk basketball. Like, just let me play basketball. Let me talk about basketball. I don't want to hear about who's going to the Knicks. I don't want to hear about who's getting traded where. I feel like obviously that reflects on on kind of the success level there. So I don't know if that kind of maybe we can transition in Anthony Davis like with that whole thing. But like you know, yeah. the teams that aren't aren't successful right now are kind of the ones drumming it up because there's like almost like there's nothing else to talk about. You know? Like, yeah. Right well, now. I mean, the Lakers. I mean, dude, let's let's transition to the Lakers. That's per, you know a good segue. It's like talk about teams that aren't winning right now. Like okay, well the Lakers are coming off a huge win last night, right, against the Celtics uh, by one point. Where, uh, what was it, uh, Rondo hit that, like, buzzer beater? Did you, any of you guys see that? Uh, I didn't, didn't see it, but yeah. It was pretty was... cool. It was pretty cool. You see LeBron in the background as this guy's taking the shot, and then, it, and then like, he's looking at it like, oh, my God, please go in, and then it goes in, and they won the game. It was pretty, it was pretty, pretty cool. But uh, look at the Lakers, man. They're a team that, you know, they want to win now. They, you know, they, that's what you, I think that's what any team that gets LeBron James wants to do or anywhere LeBron goes, that's a team that wants to compete now. You know, we touched on this on the last podcast, Chris, like LeBron has, you, you'd think a limited number of years left now. And why, I mean, the reason he went to LA other than I guess location wise was to maybe try and start a dynasty there again, like reignite the Lakers franchise. So they did not get Anthony Davis. You know, you're you, Bobby, you were saying earlier, going back to your point. So you, you don't think you're going to see Anthony Davis in the Laker uniform. And I, I think you're right because it didn't happen now at this trade deadline. And I think the Pelicans were way too, I honestly, I think they were way too selfish in what they thought they could get for him. And I think they had a great offer from the Lakers. Um, like what they had one or two first, two first round picks. Is that what it was? And and four yeah. of their starters, their young core, including like Kuzma and Ball. Like, I don't know. What do you what do you make of that? Like what what do you what's your what's your opinions on this whole story that progressed the last week, couple weeks, and now since the trade deadline has passed where it is now? I just uh I, I'm gonna go right into that. And I, I think the the big part about Anthony Davis that I mean, you're, you're right about them not trading him and all that other stuff and, and him going to the Lakers for that. I, I don't think LeBron went to the Lakers to start any dynasty, first of all. I think he went there because his son goes to a school in, in, down here. He's got a production company. He's got, like, three game shows. I mean, LeBron is now an Angelino. He's down here, and I think he's just taking advantage of the investments that he's, he has here, and he, he'd rather oversee those investments in Los Angeles than in Cleveland. Plus, if anybody in this conversation has been to Cleveland. Uh, I personally have. There's only one place you need to go there. It's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then everywhere else is basically yuck. Okay? And, and, and I'm, I'm sorry for all the people listening from Cleveland, but 
I would much rather live in Los Angeles where it's 59 degrees in the middle of February than Cleveland where, let me, I mean, what was it, like last week they were all like literally frozen. So I'm sorry. Like he wants to be out here for a lot of reasons. I don't know if it's necessarily to win championships. I think he's kind of at the end and he just, he's just trying maybe to do one last hurrah if he can. Um, I think the trades actually aren't that great too. I mean, first round picks for the Lakers now aren't, the, the value for them aren't that good because LeBron will turn that team around and the first round pick next year isn't going to be as good as the first round pick they had last year when they were in like second to last place. True. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, it's, and the year after that, it's going to be the same thing. Their team's going to get better. I mean, I, I do expect them to be in the top eight by next season. I, I said it before the season started. I don't think LeBron's team right now and LeBron are going to go to the playoffs. And a lot of people were like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? And I'm, th- I'm saying, look, He's got a whole new team, and he doesn't have an established star like Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love. He doesn't have established stars like like uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. He's got Kyle Kuzma, uh, Lonzo Ball, and and this uh, Brandon Ingram guy, and they're all good, and they're all but they're like three years in the league or two years in the league. So it's like you don't have guys that have been in that are veteran players that are star players collecting max contracts going with LeBron now. You've got guys that are like in their third year trying to learn from LeBron. And I really think that Anthony Davis kind of sees that and he probably also realizes that when you play with LeBron there's a cost. I mean, you saw people like Bosch and and uh, uh, Kevin Love, their numbers dropped. Like their numbers went like off the deep end. They weren't hitting near. They weren't letting. They don't let you take as many shots when you've got other guys in the court that are you know amazing. So if Anthony Davis wants to you know resume what he's been doing in in uh, New Orleans, I think he's going to have to go to a team where maybe there's one other star player. But I don't know if he wants to be with LeBron James. I mean, there's uh, been a lot of guys that didn't want to play with LeBron James. Um, and you saw, you know, what's his name? Um, not Chris Paul, uh, Paul George. He, he had the opportunity to leave Oklahoma City. And he's like, no, I, I don't want to go to the Lakers. You know, I'm going to stay here for a while. And I think it's I think it's because of LeBron. I think LeBron's a great athlete. I think he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I'm not going to take anything away from him. I just think that playing with him has some consequences and maybe Anthony Davis doesn't want those. Uh, plus, you know, playing in Los Angeles isn't always what it's cracked up to be. Um, the trade that they gave for Anthony Davis too, um, you know, you look at Kuzma and you look at Ball. Ball's a facilitator. He isn't a shooter. And Kuzma's reached his, pretty much reached his ceiling. He's great, but I don't really expect him to take anything to any next level. He's a great role player. But I, I don't know if he's going to be a guy that you're like, oh wow, that that's one of the you know top five or top ten best players in the league. Um, so if I'm you know uh, New Orleans, I'm just going to wait it out because I think they still have a year on his contract, so they're going to hear offers from all the teams uh, when the when free agency opens. And for now, I think that they're probably just going to try to make a little bit whatever the last bit of money that they can off of Anthony Davis's last season in New Orleans. Um, it, yeah, it'll. I think it'll be interesting too because of the fact that he has one more year and they don't have to trade him. And I mean, now that now it what is it July first or something when yeah. Boston can officially, I guess, go after him, right? Uh, because of that whole weird whatever that yeah, whatever that con- yeah, that designated, designated rule. rule, yeah, whatever that yeah. is. But I think it's going to be interesting to weigh 
what teams are willing to offer for him based on what Davis says as far as like who he's willing to sign re-sign with after his you know current contract is up I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch like our team's gonna be making good offers for him even if they aren't completely 100% sure that Davis is going to re-sign with them you know I think he's I think he expanded it from beyond the Lakers because it sounded like that's where he wanted to go right but I think he now he said uh the Knicks well, then, yeah, yeah so so I don't know now now I'm kind of thinking you know, before I predicted like, oh, I see him going to the Lakers by the trade deadline. I don't see why the Pelicans would even hold on to him. And now, now I kind of see him going to the Knicks because of the fact that they have cleared that space, you know, yeah. and and maybe they do have the pieces that the that New Orleans would would want versus what the Lakers can offer him. You know, so I don't know. Do you, where do you see Anthony Davis going, if anywhere, this summer? I mean. Boston sounds like a good place, but right now I, I think Boston's got a talent problem. They've got too much of it, and they don't. And the, their coach Brad Stevens doesn't know how to use it. Um, the New York Knicks, I, I think they have some picks. I, I, I gotta look it up, but I'm pretty sure they have some picks lying around there that they can give up for Anthony Davis, and they'll definitely give up future picks and you know all kinds of other goodies. Um, the <laughs> I, I would really see I, – I, I think I could see him in a Knicks uniform. The other part of it, too, that's unmentioned uh, – that we haven't mentioned yet is just that you got you got Kevin Durant – or not Kevin Durant, uh, Anthony Davis going to uh, a team that would potentially have no draft picks. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know how much, you know, like, like Anthony Davis is going to, you know, be happy to go to a team that has – that is basically just going to have to get free agents to put around him. Um, and the other part of it, too, is uh, New Orleans definitely doesn't want to trade him to somebody in his conference. You know, every single time that guy comes back to New Orleans and kicks the crap out of him, it's going to be that, that ownership in front office just reeling. And so I would, I, I would expect them, kind of like in the NFL uh, or, the, or in the MLB, you always see, like, people, like, uh, going to, like, I think, like, there was that time the T.O. left uh, Dallas and they, like, sent him off to Buffalo or something. I mean, like, these guys, they'll always try to send you to a team that's not in your conference or that's not in even in your division, and that way they can kind of, you know, you know, make their fans forget, hey, forget about that guy that was probably one of the best players in the NBA. Forget about him. You know, we got this new guy we just drafted. His name is who the hell we, you know, in the future, some, you know, maybe it's uh, Zion or that, that guy from Duke. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> who knows who they get, but they get somebody and they're like, hey, let's focus your attention on him. Don't focus on the guy that keeps coming back and kicking the crap out of us. So I, I don't know. I think, I think I'd see him in a Knicks uniform if I have the highest probability right now, given what their, their current situation is. But then again, it's probably going to be the team with the most picks um, that they can give up without sacrificing their future. And I'd, I'd have to probably look into what teams have those picks to, to be better to, to give you a better answer. Um, but as I stand, I, I mean, if I'm going with my gut, I think he's going to the Knicks. And I think, you know, you see him in the Knicks uniform next year uh, just because I think that they've cleared up all that space and they're not getting Durant. That's just never happening. Um, and I don't think... I don't think that he's going to Boston because if you put Kyrie Irving and him on the same team and you've got all these, and you've got this guy Tatum who's up and coming also, 
you, you, get, you put them on the floor together, that's fine. You can put them all at different spots. You put Kyrie at the one, you put Tatum at the two, you put Davis at the five, and, and whoever at the three and the four, and they'll be fine. But I just think that, you know, with Boston, the situation that they have, you know, they keep getting all this free agent talent. And at a certain point, Stevens is going to be like, well, where do I put, you know, uh, that guy Hay- Gordon Hayward for, uh, we got from the Jazz? Where, where does he go? And, and uh, they had all these young guys come out last season and they made a run for the NBA championship and almost beat Cleveland. So I, I don't know where Boston is right now and if they even want to consider going after Davis. And if anybody does go after him, it's going to be somebody in the East. It won't be the Sixers, obviously, because they've got like eight big men. Um, and if you look at some of the other teams around the league, there's not much else that, that would really draw somebody like Anthony Davis to it. Um, so I don't know. My, my, my gut feeling is the Knicks. Um, we'll see what happens, though, because yeah. free agency is a crazy thing. I, I, I remember thinking that LeBron James was going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets because of Jay-Z back when he went to Miami, but and I was not right there. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. Uh, I would have to probably say the Knicks, too. It's kind of funny, you know, just how quickly things change because, you know, like Ben said, we were sitting here 10 days ago or whatever talking about basically, you know, Anthony Davis was kind of – hinting at basically Lakers or bust that, you know, whether he got traded there or whether he ended up signing there as a free agent. But I feel like, you know, if you're the Pelicans, I think that development is definitely huge for them just because if anything, you kind of have more trade options and maybe you turn it into a bidding war because, you know, now kind of the the report that I saw was like, now it's kind of 50, 50, maybe he'll sign with the Lakers or the Knicks long-term. So instead of the Lakers kind of holding all the leverage and being like, well, where else are you going to trade him? Like no one else is going to give up these picks or, you know, these players if, if they know he's just a rental. If the Knicks kind of get in there, the Pelicans can potentially start a bidding war. I mean, I, I don't know. Like you said, as far as the Lakers maybe blowing all their picks there, I don't know how much better of an offer they could have made. So I'm not sure on that front. But, you know, I think, uh, yeah, the more Eastern Conference teams, the better for sure. I mean, you make a, a good point as far as like trying to get him out of the Western Conference. So I think if you're in New Orleans, I mean – like I said, like I, I had no problem with him kind of waiting uh, past the deadline to kind of see how this plays out, and I think this is a perfect perfect example of why, because now you kind of get these teams that maybe weren't in it at the beginning that by July 1st, maybe they say, you know what, we can potentially go in on him and, and make a play for him that they couldn't do at the trade deadline. So I think for New Orleans, you're definitely open up, uh, opening definitely some more options than you know if you try to rush this deal like they could have done. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's kind of a good segue if we uh, if we if we're if we're all down with it. Speaking of like you know timing and and and, and delayed and free agency and and waiting to see where people go. Uh, how about what's going on in baseball right now with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper still available, yet to be signed? And now it seems like some other teams are coming in to be players for Bryce Harper. You know, the Padres are meeting in with both Machado and Harper, and and now. Bobby and Chris's beloved Giants are meeting with him. Apparently, what do you uh, give? Give me your hot takes on that, you two Giants fans. Oh man, I don't know. You want to you want to start it out, uh, Bobby, or you want you want me to go and you want to come in after? I, I'll, I'll 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 do I'll do a couple of quick ones. All right. <laughs> uh, so so when the free agent market came out, there was this article that I thought was kind of baloney, but they were saying Bryce Harper loves San Francisco. And it's because every time he would come to like play the Giants and stuff, or just in the off season, he would take vacations there. 
he's posting all these social media things on Instagram saying how he loves San Francisco. It's so beautiful. And they're like, well, obviously he's coming to the Bay Area to play for the Giants. And I'm like, all right, well, then you sold me. That's obvious. If someone posts that they like a place on Instagram, that means that they're going to play there uh, the next season. Um, <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I, I don't really know <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but honestly, uh, this free agents market is, is insane. And I think there's a lot of teams right now that are wary of the $350 million signing. Um, the signing, I'm saying, like the guy, like the Pujols, the, um, what's the Mark Teixeiras, the Jason Giambis, the, if you go down the list, Barry Zito in the Giants context, if you go down the list of free agents in a market that's sort of less saturated, like there's like two or three big names that are out there, what will happen is, is they'll get gobbled up for a fat paycheck, and then there's almost no guarantee that they're going to do well. There's History tells us there's more guarantee they're going to fail. So when I'm a you know, front office, it's like, well, we've got like these three you know, top prospects in AAA right now that we could call up and see how they do in the MLB, or we could sign a, uh, a Bryce Harper or Manny Machado to a huge deal. Like, to make them basically the highest-paid player in the MLB and then have to pay all this luxury tax and have to deal with maybe making sacrifices to signing those prospects, maybe even have to trade those prospects to unload salary, maybe unload salary for other veteran players you already have. There's just all these ramifications that come with signing these big guys, and it just seems like the risk is outweighing the reward now. So when the Giants talked to them, I I personally was was getting all you know my my you know getting all excited because I thought they're going to get him at a lower price because it's been months and now they're in this like Bryce Harper and his his camp are all in a shitty bar. Sorry, a, I can swear, right? <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, but he, he he's in a really bad bargaining position <laughs> because it's like how do you say to the to the front office of the Giants, oh yeah, I'm worth $300 million. Uh, oh yeah, you're worth $300 million. So like, uh, who's offered you that? Oh, no one. Okay, so uh, how do you think you're worth $300 million? Well, I, I hit a lot of home runs and I was an MVP and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's like, there's a lot of those guys. A lot of them. A lot, a lot of people exist like you. So, I just don't, it, it's, it's, it, it'd be great if the Giants signed him. I don't think he's going to be the highest paid baseball player if he does sign with the Giants, though. Yeah, you're saying he would be great if the Giants signed him at a bargain price, not what he's asking exactly. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, and I, I think that if he does sign with them, it will be at a it will be at a lower price than people had expected. His, you know, gigantic, humongous, you know, totally amazing contract. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I just it's it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see where he signs because he's probably just going to go to the highest bidder, and hopefully the Giants are that that team, you know, because and we can honestly tell him every single World Series we were in in the last ten years, we did not choke against the Houston Astros or the Boston. <laughs> okay, Red Sox. you know what, Bobby, we're not going there. Okay, <laughs> oh, you you know you really you had to dig the knife in and then you had to twist it. You know, do you remember? Do you remember when we were working together, man, and the Phillies kept going to the World Series? Do you know who they kept beating in yeah, the NLCS? I believe you know me. Who they kept beating? 
Yeah, there's a reason I hated Hunter Pence before he was a giant, all right? Okay? And I hated Chase Utley, and then I had to like him when the Dodgers got him, right? So he became Kike Hernandez's father figure. So it's like, uh, you know what, man? (laughs) I was in a good mood, and now... (laughs) Chase Utley to you is what Richard Sherman is to me. There you go. I'm supposed to do with that guy. Yeah. I really don't. <laughs> he is 10 years, and then the Niners are like, yeah, we'll sign him. So now you got to like him. So I know how you feel. Oh, yeah, that's the same way with Chris. I remember I was so ex- I was like, Chris, how do you feel when Richard, you know, Sherman came yeah, over well, to be a Niner? Gotta, yeah, you know, you got to put the team over the player, I think. So valid. But, um, but yeah, anyway, getting back to Harper, just um, this will be interesting because, like, like uh, we had both said, you know, I'm a Giants fan. Bobby, you're a Giants fan. But I actually, like, disagree with uh, with you as far as. The I don't I don't necessarily think the money is what maybe not in the Giants case but just in general I don't think it's necessarily the money that's scaring people away not the dollar amount but I think it's the length of contract you know I think it's the ten years that kind of shies yeah. people away because I mean like you said with the Pujols contract and I mean you can you can go back in all these super long contracts that basically no matter how good the player is at the time they sign them that back half of that contract you're pretty much screwed you're going to be overpaying for declining production so I feel like I don't know maybe Harper and Machado you know obviously they come in with grand hopes of having these eight nine ten year deals and and all that but I feel like if they at some point are you know just willing to accept the fact that they're not going to get that length of a deal I could definitely see a team and maybe it's the Giants maybe it's the Phillies or whoever uh, maybe it's the Nats coming back and bringing him back in but if he just you know kind of goes off the 10 years and says hey you know i'll sign i'll sign a three four five year deal for 40 million 45 million if that average annual value goes up but the contract length goes down i could maybe see him signing pretty quickly because i feel like teams are a little bit more worried to just be tied to that contract for so long i feel like if you you know give him 45 million for three years and yeah it's going to hurt you like in the short term like financially but if he does decline towards the end of that contract, you're you're out of there after three years, and you don't have to worry about the next seven years, and you know continuing to pay a guy with declining production. So I think that will be the biggest thing to see is if one or the other or both kind of decide on you know what maybe I'll just sign a couple years somewhere, and they'll get their money in the short term, and maybe they sign two or three three year deals instead of one nine year deal. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see maybe if at some point you know like that comes into play. No, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I didn't even. Uh, I, I I totally forgot about this. Um, there was this Mets player. Uh, his, uh, what was his name? Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. So I don't know if you ever heard of Bobby Bonilla, but Bobby oh, Bonilla yeah. played for the Mets, and he signed like this. I want to say it was like, oh God, what was it? Like a 25 year contract or something. It was. It was egregiously long. Like it was over 10 years, and it, it was just bad. And I'm, I'm trying to look it up on my phone. But, yeah, it, it, Bobby Mania had this long contract. And I think it was, like, last year or, like, last month. It was, like, like a few months ago or something. They paid him his last, like, paycheck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he, I, I he, got, he got his last paycheck. He didn't retire, like, 15 years. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I see exactly where your point's going, and, and you're right. But I, and, I, and I think it's, like, you know, in, in that may, I think that's, like, the biggest reason and then there's those other reasons behind it, kind of like, you know, a lot of the teams, if you've looked at it, the teams going to the World Series now, um, with maybe the exclusion of the Red Sox, 
uh, because, but yeah, no, I mean, the Red Sox too, a lot of them are homegrown talent. They took what the Giants did, and then they just, they just went with that too. They, they, they gathered up all the big prospects. They tried to revamp their pitching and whatever they could. Um, but most of like, if you look at Bellinger, you look at Sager, you look at, I mean, I'm in LA now, so I, I, I mean, I watch these Puig, um, all these guys that the Dodgers had Puig, last damn it. year. It's Puig, not Puig. <laughs> Whatever. And he's Puig a red now. Not. He's a Cincinnati red, so. Hey, yeah, I was going to say, he's a red now, so you don't, you don't have to correct me. Yeah, he's fair now okay. the devil. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm serious, though. I think, like, in all honesty, like, if the, if you look at these teams that have won and have gone to the World Series, it seems that are developing their talent. The, the Astros almost went to two World Series in a row against the Dodgers with talent that they developed from their free, from not from free agents, but from guys that they had in their farm system or just guys they got maybe in trades, developed in their farm system, and boom, they became like Altuve and uh, what was that other other guy that was hitting bombs? Springer. You know, they had like a, they had a good uh, solid like 3-4 or 2-3-4 lineup, 3-4-5 lineup. I mean, it was, it was really good. Like they... It was like every time the Dodgers had that lead, they would just get they get raked, or you know, and, and and that's the same thing with vice versa. I mean, the the Astros would get a big lead, and then the Dodgers would come back too because they had all this talent that they developed. So if you sign a guy like Harper, you're limiting yourself to to just him, and you have this ten year contract. Like you're saying, it's like it's just screwing you for those ten years, and then when Harper declines, and you want to put in some you know rook you know, kid you've developed from the farm system, it might, you know, affect how he feels when, you know, you move him over to left field and you have this new rookie kid who's got a cannon in the right field. And, it, you know, it messes with Bryce Harper's, you know, his feelings. And it's kind of like, you know, drafting uh, when you like, when Aaron Rodgers or somebody has a backup quarterback who's drafted in the first round, it'll, it's going to mess with their head. So they don't want, you know what I mean? Like they kind of don't want to have to deal with that and, you know, figure out the psychological trauma it's going to have on their, you know, $50 million a year baseball player. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think it's all those things. And if, if uh, the Giants or the Padres can somehow figure out a way to get him locked into a five-year, uh, five-year type deal, I mean, that's, that's, that, that would be amazing. I mean, we'd actually have some, we'd actually be able to compete. But, you know, if you look at the Giants track record recently with free agents, they really they've been struggling because before we had Bumgarner, Kane, Lincecum, uh, Posey, and then we would get these old farts like Randy Wynn and Edgar Renteria, and then just put it together and boom, we would win. But now you see us going after guys like Johnny Cueto and um, Jeff Samarja and. Um, who's this other guy that's just that's amazing? I mean, they've gone after a lot of big free agents. Mount Melanson, Mark Melanson, um, and those those guys cost them a crap ton of money, but they're not they're not doing anything. And I mean, they're 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 good, and I'm not you know, but Samarja's numbers aren't nearly as good as we thought they were going to be. Uh, Cueto's had some arm trouble. I think he got Tommy John last year. Uh, Melanson is not a closer. He's like a setup man that pretended to be a closer. And I think if we sign Harper, it's not going to guarantee that we're going to be in the, you know, in the playoffs next year. Well, I mean, yeah, that, yeah, that's not, it's not like the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think the whole thing, especially with Harper, you know, like 
I, I agree. I think Harper, at least I'm just talking, you know, Giants context, he's not a guy that gets you from, I think they're projected to win like 70, 72 games. He's not a guy that gets you from 72 wins to 92, and all of a sudden you're in the playoffs. I think if the Giants were to sign him, it's more of an eye towards, you know, he's still only 26. You know, I think it's a thing, like, yeah. if he can get, you know, a four or five-year deal, he's not a guy that necessarily this year takes you to being a contending team. Maybe you go from last place to third place, fourth place, but I think he's a guy that is still someone that you can kind of build around. So, you know, you bring him in and maybe it kind of extends that window with the core that they have with Crawford and, and with Posey and with Bumgarner. And uh, then, you know, you're kind of one less player away as far as trying to get back to contending. So I think and just, just with Harper, it's like, I think if they do end up signing him, uh, like I said, I think it's going to be something where they're comfortable with the years, like four or five years, and hope that they can kind of build a contending team. Maybe not this year, but you know, you have them under under contract. Maybe next year, or the year after that. But at the same time, you know, they have Madison Bumgarner coming up on a contract. Uh, his contract, I think, expires after this year. So they kind of have to play all of that into it. Is you know, if you go out and try to sign Harper now there's really no guarantee you can bring Bumgarner back. So now you're gaining, you're gaining you know, a superstar right fielder, but you're losing your ace. So that's the other thing that they kind of have to take into consideration, whereas some of these other teams, I mean, I think the Phillies are a good example. They're going out and buying a lot of these guys because they do have that young core, and there's not really anybody on that team that they're worried about having to re-sign after this year. Whereas for the Giants, you have an aging core. You need to probably either win now or you got to tear it down. So... I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of borderline as as far as what they should do there. But I mean, I would love to see him on the Giants if if they can get him for you know the right contract and the right price. But if it kind of comes at the cost of them having to let Bumgarner walk and and you know some of these other guys, then I'm not so sure and I'm not so sold on the idea of having him as much as we could use him. I I you know what you said something in there that I was like I was like man that's that's exactly right. Uh, it was the you were talking about how um, you know they, they have a they're kind of at a, and I was gonna say this they're kind of at a crossroads you know it's like they can decide right now right, do we blow this team up we ship off all our assets to whoever get as many prospects as we can and rebuild or do we just you know try to win now with this one last even year coming up that we have you know uh, you know this, with this one last one last even year hurrah um and if that happens i mean you know they can they get harper they they maybe sign another another free agent um i mean hell you know it'd be it'd be i'd be ecstatic if if we had machado and harper you know in our infield and outfield and we 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 get you know and quato comes back from tommy john and, and and bumgarner plays for us for one last year we've got two aces we've got two you know two big power hitters at the three four spot i mean like they, that would be amazing. Um, but then again, it's like that would be their one year. That would be like their, you know, their 1997 Florida Marlins. You know, I, it would be one of those years where it's like, yeah, you had Gary Sheffield, Al Leiter, and like, you know, some uh, who was some one of these other guys. They had an amazing team, and then they just shit them all off. So I mean, if anything, they're gonna blow this team up. It's it's either gonna happen. You know, now when they're at that crossroads, or it's going to happen later once Bumgarner gets out of here. Because I've been hearing trade rumors about about Bumgarner since since like you know the beginning 
or the end of the season. You know, as soon as that world, last World Series game came, it was like, where's Bumgarner going? So I don't know how much, you know, how much Matty Bum wants to stay, and I don't know how much the, the Giants are willing to give up by not trading him and getting the highest value for him. Um, you know, the, the Oakland A's, I mean, over, you know, you, you guys, yeah, they had Tejada and they had Giambi and they had McGuire. And at some point you realize, all right, well, they're not going to sign with us, so we better get rid of them. And, I mean, what's, what was that? Cespedes, that was another guy. Another guy that they had yeah. to just get rid of. And when you look at it, it's it's it sucks. But some of these guys, they, you know, they're going to want a lot of money. Bumgarner's going to want a lot of money. You know, and that's I the don't thing, know though. The what, different, there's a differentiation there between the A's and the Giants, though. A's being like such a smaller market team than San Francisco. They don't have yeah. San Francisco dollars, but like I, I know the, I see you the point you're trying to make. It's like what I, I was really the point I was making was more just that the Oakland A's know when they have trade value in one of their assets, and since they're a small market, they they don't have any shame getting rid of them. Yeah, you know, the the, the Giants I wish would take a little bit of of, of that. Uh, lack of shame and just say you know what bum you, you want us those three world series it's great but you got to go now i don't want them to do that right now i think that if we got harper and we made one last hurrah for it next year after that year maybe reassess see where bum garner's at but bum garner's pulling what i call i, I said he pulled a jeff kent you know what he put uh, jeff kent in uh back during the bonds era there was this old story about how he broke his hand washing his car. You guys can look this up. This actually happened. And then he's on the DL for washing his car. And then there's all these like independent witnesses on his in his neighborhood who said he was doing wheelies on his kid's dirt bike in the you know on their street or oh, something. No, I, and then remember, he, I, I remember. I remember. I think it was yeah. on. A, I think it was on a motorcycle. I think. Oh, it was like a Kawasaki or something, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, but either way, okay, fine. Dirt bike. I I, I was like being generous. Fine. It's like it's like probably like another six hundred pounds of weight, you know. So more <laughs> that. And then you, you got you got Bumgarner doing almost the exact same thing. Like, oh, I hurt my hand dirt biking. What the fuck are you dirt biking, man? <laughs> you're a, you're a twenty million dollar a year pitcher who's won three World Series. You're like like a rookie of the year. You've got MVPs. You're you're just you're unbelievable. Why? It's like. It's like hearing that a pitcher broke his hand punching a window. Like that's the dumbest. That's the only dumbest. That's the dumb. Only dumber thing I could think Bumgarner did. You know, he was like, "Oh yeah, I was, more, I was riding my my motorcycle. I hurt my hand." You're an idiot, dude. Like, I, I mean, I, I can't believe I was like so mad when he did that. And then our whole season was like ruined. Like the whole season was out because it's like who's our who's our pitcher out out, out of that, other than him? And it's Johnny Cueto. And Cueto's great. But he can't carry the team like Bumgarner could. Bumgarner won us the 2016 World Series. It was just him. They were like, oh, hey, uh, so, so, Bum, can you come in after you pit on two days rest and pitch these last five innings? Okay, good. Yeah, thanks. All right. I mean, he literally was like the only ace we needed. And you see the Dodgers try to do that with, uh, with uh, what's his name, Clayton Chokeshaw. Clayton <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, I will cut you off, man. I'll do it. <laughs> Seriously, and I think that, that that sometimes overusing a pitcher can really backfire. You know, Lincecum had had a couple of great years, but he was overused. So 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 was Kane. And I think Bumgarner is hitting that point where it's like, hey man, like you know, I only have so many more years left. So I think they got to make this last year count. They should go after Harper hard, sign him, 
and hope for the best and get that we can get you know maybe a wild card and and claw our way to the top like we did uh in i think it was like 14 or 16 when when they beat the pirates in that wild card and then just took it to the next level um it's you know i don't see any teams in the mlb right now other than the american league and possibly the dodgers you know that i think it's like right now it's it's boston uh, Houston and L and the Dodgers, who I think are probably the three strongest teams in baseball, and there's there's a lot of teams that that could just that could blow up, you know, that could that could win and go to the World Series if 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 the Giants and I think the Giants would be one of those teams if they were to go after maybe just you know maybe get a Harper or maybe get somebody and and do one last hurrah for for Madison Bumgarner because I, I I don't know how long he's going to still stay in a Giants uniform. It's also possible just because for the Giants' sake, it's like, yeah, you, it, with taking that mindset of like one last hurrah, you know, you're looking at a pretty weak NL West other than LA right now, I think, is your main foe in front of you because Arizona's, I think, hit the, you know, the button of official rebuild and, you know, they shipped off Goldschmidt uh, to the Cardinals, right? They're, right? He went yeah, to the Cardinals? Yeah. yeah, so they're a star guy. And then the Rockies are, well, the Padres are the Padres and the Rockies I don't think are projected to do be any sort of real threat in the NL West. So right now it seems like an open pathway for the Dodgers. And yeah, if the Giants take that approach that you're saying, Bobby, like, yeah, maybe, you know, who knows? They could have a, you know, going I mean, to a week NL West, right? Yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's a weird, it, it's, it's kind of weird how it's been set up for the, I mean, if you look at the, the, the NL, I mean, you got the NL East and, nobody like maybe Philly, like maybe Philly is a good team in that, in that division, but there really isn't nearly as much of, you know, of the, the, the power that they used to have the central still St. Louis and Chicago. They're, they're still doing all right, but I don't think Chicago is nearly as good as the team they were when they won that series. Milwaukee was the team that, you know, was the team to beat in the central. I mean, like Milwaukee, like really, <laughs> uh, um, I, I just think I was like, I, I was like baffled. I was like, yeah, the Milwaukee, that's what everybody wants to see. They want to see the Milwaukee Brewers play against the Houston Astros in the World Series. It, I don't know. It, it was, it, I don't know. It was like, I, 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 it was just the most, it, it was, you know, and I think it's a perfect segue to go into the Super Bowl and say how it would have been the worst matchup in the history of time, almost as bad as the matchup that we saw in the Super Bowl. But I don't know. You, I mean, you guys control this. I don't no, want you to take it there. Take it there, baby. I'm going to give you the wheel. Go for it. Go into that Super okay. Bowl game. You want to trans? Let's, let's talk some Super Bowl, baby. Okay. I I told you as the day goes on, I don't know how crazy I'm going to get. I'm going to get effing crazy. First of all, I hate Tom Brady. That's the first thing I want to say. Hey, oh. I'm a diehard 49ers fan. I'll be a 49ers fan until I die. I've got more Joe Montana stuff in my house, in my office at work, than probably anybody in the history of time. And I cannot sit here and listen to another one of these schmucks from Bristol, Connecticut, tell me he's the greatest of all time. He is not. He is a cheater on multiple occasions. He 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 his, he, he calls it gamesmanship. He had calls given to him early in his career. And sure, the guy is amazing. I don't know how Edelman kept getting open that whole damn game. I don't know why the freaking uh, the, the 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 Rams with all those different talented players in the secondary didn't think let's put a keep to leave on fucking Edelman. Let's put Peters on Edelman. No, no, no. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna put the nickel or the dime on Edelman. So we're gonna make Tom Brady look like he's the greatest and have him beat our ass again in the Super Bowl. Only this time we're in L.A. and not in St. Louis. 
I can't stand it. That's the first point I'm going to make. The second point I'm going to make is that that was, like, from the general consensus, even for Angelinos who watch the game, and I talk to at my office, I talk to my friends, my family, random people that my wife knows, they all said that that was the most boring Super Bowl they've ever seen. You know, I mean, everybody's going to put it up against the season, uh, last year's with the Philly, Philly Eagles, and that one was so exciting and fun, and they're like, well, 13-3, to this one's like the worst one ever. And it was super anticlimactic. You know, there was maybe two good plays the whole game. Brady didn't look that great. Um, the only touchdown that they had was a rushing touchdown, uh, which I don't think – I mean, you know, in all of Tom Brady's infinite greatness, he had no no touchdowns in that game, just like he did on my fantasy team, which is another reason why I hate him. Um, and I'm telling you, like, that that whole Super Bowl was was – I, I think it was it was just another showing to us that that even when Bill Belichick isn't cheating, he's probably one of the best coaches ever. You know, I mean that guy knew exactly what I think no one was saying, and that was that Jared Goff is is terrible, and that sure you can put up stats all year, but the only stats you need to put up are in maybe the last two games of the season, and that's all that matters. And they just stuffed him. They put pressure on him nonstop. They made it impossible for him. And um, I was reading this thing the other day. Apparently, Jared Goff is so dumb, and I'm not. I'm. I'm not trying to. You know, he he did a pretty great job this season, but he is dumb. He didn't know if the sun rose in the west or set in the east. He doesn't know shit. Okay, and if you watch Hard Knocks, he actually asks. He's like, "Does the sun? Uh, where does the sun rise? I don't know where it's. I don't know where it rises." He's so dumb that McVeigh was in his ear every time he went under center. So Belichick knew this because he he saw them doing this in the. He noticed it in the in the, the NFC Championship game. So what what happened is is he would go under center. He would you know maybe make some calls, yell some things, see where the defense was at. And then McVeigh would see where the defense is at, say to Goff, hey, all right, stay with the play you're running, or he would say, run option B. And then they would do an audible on the line, and then Belichick was just like, he just knew. He knew if they were going to change the play to a run or change the play to a pass based on what they were doing before when they, you know, when they were doing the, the calls while he was under center. And, and Belichick just, he owned, he owned McVeigh, he owned Jared Goff, and I, that's just, I mean, that's how I see it. I, 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 I wish it wasn't that way because obviously, like I said, I hate Tom Brady and I hate the Patriots and I wish they would lose every game every day all the time. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, you got to hand it to, you got to hand it to Belichick, man. He's probably one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen. So. I completely agree with that. And, uh, I, I don't know, Jerry Goff, man. You, you hate not hating on Jerry Goff's intelligence. You went in on Goff, uh, the felt, you know, UC Berkeley grad there. He, uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, look, man. People put Goff on this pedestal because they're like, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers went there, so obviously Jerry Goff's going to be Aaron Rodgers. It's like, you know no, what, man? I don't... I don't, I don't like, think that. I think uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he progresses and matures since he's so early on in his career, and he's and he's with this coach who you can't deny is also up an up and comer, uh, Sean McVay. Like he's he's a young stud, and I think he's he's going to have some a bright future coaching in the NFL. I I I think. 
Um, but I completely agree. You know, they were completely out coached by by Belichick and, and outplayed. But like, yeah, as far as the Super Bowl being boring, I think it's interesting that it was so opposite what it seems like the direction that the NFL is going. Like the the excitement of that Chiefs Rams game, that high scoring game, where it was like how many points were scored. Totally. Well, game. they were both over forty points. You're talking about the Monday night game. Yeah, yeah. Like that was I insane. It was, I it was like a hundred. Did they score like a hundred? Was it over a hundred? No, it was, but it was like uh, I, I, mean, I don't even I know. Mean, but it was not have it in front of us. Yeah, it was huge. Way. But like everybody was talking about, like, oh my god. Okay, so like yards are cheap now. Pass interference is ridiculous. Like, so you can barely even you can't even cover. You know, good luck being a defensive back. You know, and and uh, covering a wideout in the NFL. Like, you can't even touch the wide receiver. Like it's just an offense and you can't touch the quarterback, you know, like there was that stupid call against, uh, what the game was it? Was it, I think it was the, was it the chiefs Patriots game or the Chargers Patriots game where like Tom Brady got rid of the ball and threw it. And like, he like got his eyelash yeah. dabbed well. and they called a passenger roughing the passer call. It was some ridiculous thing. It was stupid. And, uh, it's just, it seems like that was the direction that NFL is going and what they want. They want high scoring games. They want they want constant scoring because that's what everybody likes. They don't like the defensive showdowns anymore. And not to say that this is necessarily that, the Super Bowl, but like this was the opposite of what it seemed like the direction that the NFL is going this year, right? Like that that's what I kind of okay. took from it. I thought it was surprising. And I, I, yeah, it was boring in, if, from a certain point of view, but at the same time, like I thought it was funny and entertaining based on the fact that it was what, 3 nothing at halftime? Like yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Every, anyone anyone betting the under was just like hell yeah let's yeah, go you know? yeah. but um yeah dude, i mean i don't know i think it, i think it's uh i mean obviously it was a surprise to me for sure because i think you know we did our uh our super bowl predictions on our last episode and i think like my prediction was like 31 27 uh patriots yeah, or something i said like and i said 38 31 patriots yeah, so, you know, like, like we, were ex- we, we were way off but i mean i think it all does come back, like Bobby, you you mentioned it about like you know Bill Belichick just being able to outcoach anybody. I mean, I think we kind of talked about this like on the last podcast as well about how you know it's kind of a clash of the guys that have been there, like Belichick and Brady versus you know McVay and Goff, kind of coming up and taking the league by storm. But it's like you know what can you do on the biggest level on you know a national stage? And obviously, we saw that McVay and Goff still kind of have some adjustments to make when it comes to that. <laughs> Um, but I think the other thing too, I kind of just wanted to point out, I mean, I guess as far as like the whole takeaway with the Patriots is like, I was just looking through, you know, Tom Brady's numbers in the playoffs, two touchdowns and three interceptions for that. And that's over all three games. So it's in, and it, I think it was, uh, a little bit of a, I don't know, like kind of, kind of different than how they usually are because, you know, it's always the talk about Tom Brady carrying the team and all that. And I think this, this year was, he kind of step back and he was almost like a game manager you know he didn't lose him any games but I I don't know I could argue that he didn't really win them any games either you know they're running back uh Sonny Mikel scored I think was six touchdowns in the playoffs and he had the one yeah. touchdown in the Super Bowl so it's kind of like they kind of took the gas pedal off of Brady a little bit and kind of went with the running game and obviously the defense came up huge in this game so I mean you know I I wasn't rooting for the Patriots but I think Maybe the one takeaway was just kind of like they did it in a different way. So we're not sitting here. I mean, people are going to still de- debate on Tom, B- Tom Brady being the greatest and all that. But it was kind of refreshing to see them, I don't know, kind of go away from Brady and, and see some of these other guys shine a little bit more than 
talking about Brady throwing four touchdowns again or anything like that. Yeah, I think people will talk about Tom Brady. This is his, what, sixth ring now? Yeah. It's like I think people will say he he didn't necessarily earn himself that sixth ring as much as he has in the, the first five, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it, it's funny because I, I was – I was thinking about Brady and, and just how uh, how how you're right. He was a game manager and and he was he was just basically there to make sure that they did enough not to lose. But you know when we were talking about this stuff, it's like you're right. McVay is an up and coming coach, and Belichick is this established guy. He's already been to at this point he'd been at to eight Super Bowls. You know he won five of them. So it's like you know you're going against this era's Bill Walsh. And you're, you know, basically the up-and-coming new Belichick. And I think that the one thing that McVay had was this leg up over the Patriots and the talent. I mean, like, <laughs> you've got Donald Sue and Aaron Donald as your defensive tackles. You know, you've got you've got uh, you got uh, the secondary with Marcus Peters, who led the league in the in interceptions last year, and Akeem Talib, who I mean, arguably is one of the best, if not the best corners in the NFL. So you you look at the talent that they had on the defensive side of the ball. And then, you know, I mean, obviously Gurley's amazing. And you've got, you know, Brandon Cooks come in. And I mean, that team, like on, in terms of the talent, it, the Rams should not have been the underdog. The only reason they were was because of Belichick. Belichick. And the coaching that he's able to do with the talent he has and the system he's created is unstoppable in the Super Bowl. I mean, the only way you can stop him is by some miracle catch, uh, you know, or like, or or just, you know, just really just going tit for tat with the guy like they did with the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, it's really hard to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And I think that, like, McVay had the leg up in the talent level and he just, he literally went up again. Because honestly, like, when I watched that, when I see, when I looked at that, the, that matchup, I thought, like, talent-wise, there's no way the Patriots can win this. Because all they have is Brady, Gronk, and Edelman. You know, I, I can't, you know, maybe that Hightower guy in the middle line, you know, as their middle linebacker, but, like, I can't really name for you guys on the Patriots that I'm, um, Pat Chung's been there forever, and, you know, we, we uh, Ben, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. our buddy Jesse, our buddy Jesse. I mean, we, we've dude, been I'm, following Pat Chung yeah. for ten years. I made him. I made him uh, smoothies, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he came into Oakwood a couple times uh, with Jesse. Dude, no, man, that's awesome. Yeah, you didn't know that. Yeah, I made him like two smoothies, and I was like, "Oh my god, you you you're Patrick Chung." <laughs> 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 no, man. Uh, what I'm saying though is that like. Like, outside of a guy that we know because our mutual friend was a roommate with him in college at Oregon, yeah. like, it's not much on that Patriots team when you're, like, that's standing out at you. Like, this is an amazing, talented player. This, They were all role players. They all filled their role, and they all did it well, and they all listened to their coach who had been in the Super Bowl almost 10 times. Yeah, and that's so, what they do, man. That's the, With the Patriots, even with their, quote, no-name roster, even knowing we're talking about a roster that has Tom Brady on it, but, like, as we're saying, like – you yeah talent wise it's like but i think that is proving the point of what you say like belichick and like his ability to coach like he can out coach you even with a less talented roster and that's what he's that's what he did and that's it's yeah man it's when it goes back to what chris said last week on the podcast is like when when will somebody beat the patriots and like 
we thought, I mean, they lost last year in the Eagles, but like, when will somebody in the AFC beat the Patriots? When will we not see them in the Super Bowl? Next year? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, maybe know, not. I like, maybe year. not for another two years. Maybe, Tom maybe, Brady's not yeah. retiring, I guess. Maybe when him and Belichick step away. Yeah, when they're gone. You know, they'll be 85 each. You know, they'll, they'll both be pushing, pushing, you know, the some their mid-80s by the time they're, they're retired. It's just like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think they could be like, you know, like, uh, there's this baseball record. Cy Young, I think he has. He has like 400 wins, and you know that's why they named the, the the award after him. And it's like an unbeatable record, you know, or the 56 game hit streak by Joe DiMaggio. It's like unbeatable. And I, I think that Belichick and Brady have this in them. Like we want to make an unbeatable record. We have six Super Bowls. We have nine that we've appeared in in total. We want seven Super Bowls. We want eight Super Bowls. They want as many as they can as long as Brady is healthy. And that's the really key thing is if Brady can stay healthy, it's it's fine. But I think after this whole Garoppolo thing with the Niners and all that, I really think that Belichick was is jaded by, by Bob Kraft. And once Brady's out, I think Belichick's out, he's retired, he's done. And after that, that's when the Patriots are they're the Miami Heat. We, we don't even talk about them anymore. We'll see. Um, I mean, I, that'll be interesting yeah. to see how that happens. Hey, I want to get to a couple more points with you before we let you go, man. Uh, staying, on the, staying on the topic of the NFL, uh, the Oakland Raiders are still homeless, all right? And I want to get... <laughs> I want to get your hot takes, both you guys, on where are we going to see the Oakland Raiders playing? Because it doesn't seem like it's going to be Oakland, and I thought it was going to be Oracle Park, you know, the, the sharing the field with the with the Giants. But I guess uh, the Niners flexed their muscles on that and and made that not happen uh, with their territorial rights. So 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 where where are we going to see the Raiders next season? Is it in Oakland in the stadium where they're being sued by the city of Oakland? Like wh- where's where's it going? Oh, well, if you're if you're asking me that, um, uh, <laughs> uh, Reno, Nevada. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the UNLV. I, I, I like honestly, I could see them. I don't know why they haven't called called Cal Berkeley and asked them to play at that stadium if they haven't already. I, I, I haven't really been following the story as much. I've just been laughing at the idea of seeing Oakland Raider fans all piling into a forty-four thousand person stadium. Uh, and and not watching a Giants game, um, <laughs> that that that's just laughable to me. Like, oh, cool. So the the Santa Clara Forty Nine ers, uh, they they play in Santa Clara, but the uh, the Oakland Raiders they play in San Francisco. Oh, this is this is just this is just comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just hilarious. Yeah. Um, well, there's a yeah, reason I, they I, don't. There's a reason they don't want to go to UNLV is because they don't want a soft opening for their premiere in, in Vegas. They want to go in red carpet glam ready to go in the brand new stadium in 2020 but i yeah it's it's kind of it would be weird to see it would have been weird to see the raiders playing san francisco as the oakland raiders and the niners playing as the san francisco 49ers in santa clara but it seems like their remaining options right now to stay in the bay area are either levi stadium which i know mark davis is very against and you know how stubborn he is i don't see them budging on that or going back to oakland and pain through the nose to play there despite the fact that they're being sued by them well, you know I yeah i know I, I don't want to cut you off I, I i just wanted to say this like um what do you guys know about about uh the the college situation i mean berkeley is right there it's right adjacent to oakland like 
why aren't they going after Berkeley? Have they done that yet, or have they have they even hinted at playing at Berkeley? Because that's a hundred thousand seat stadium. Maybe I mean I haven't. I've only been to one game, so maybe they don't want a bunch of people sitting in bleacher seats for an NFL game. Maybe that's why. Because in LA, before and even now, the the Rams have been playing at the LA Coliseum where USC plays, and it's fine. I mean, no one's complaining, and the, you know they're going to have the Olympics here in 2026, and they're going to have that same stadium that they had in 1980 be the stadium they're going to use for the track and field. So it's like I I'm wondering why the Oakland Raiders haven't started talking to some of the colleges, the local colleges, um, for their stadiums because I, I mean, would that wouldn't Berkeley work? I mean, is that is that a bad option or? Well, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, I, I just looked it up real quick uh, just because I wanted to make sure I got this right. But basically, um, for both with Stanford, UC Berkeley, and San Jose State, um, a lot of it is just mainly logistical challenges like with the facilities. Uh, you know, there's not really a whole lot of parking there as far as tailgating goes. Uh, just the traffic and, you know, stadium capacity. Um, I know in Berkeley's case, the city actually has an agreement uh, the, the uh, well, sorry, the campus, UC Berkeley, and like the surrounding neighborhood, they kind of have an agreement that prohibits NFL games uh, from being played at Memorial Stadium. And I think that it's mainly just the concern is the neighborhood. I mean, like you're literally like there is no parking. There's there's no tailgating areas. Like you walk across the street and you're in some dude's front yard. You know. So I feel like the the city like definitely. I don't know. I mean, that I feel like made they it... don't want they don't want that kind of commotion i guess yeah i mean then that, that it would have made it interesting if they actually did play it because where's the tailgating happening at oracle park in san francisco like that right that would also be a huge challenge like okay i'm gonna tailgate over in oakland and then bart in the they, game, they do you know? well, well oracle, do that. oracle does have they do have a uh or not a garage but they have like a parking lot like across across uh the way is that like going down towards uh, it's, a, it's across the, like across the bridge the like bridge the going towards like the new on the other Stadium. side of uh mccovey cove going down towards I mean, it's not, mission it's, bay yeah it's okay, still yeah, not yeah. like great as far as like obviously you have a whole huge parking lot in oakland like nothing is going going to compare to that yeah uh nfl standard but yeah yeah i mean that uh, it, it's a shame though i think for for cal because i know because Cal has gone through some financial issues over the last few years, and when they renovated that stadium, they and then the team football team plummeted, uh, and they weren't make they weren't selling tickets, they weren't making any really making any their money back and able to pay that off, and 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 they even had to sell rights to the name of the field. They called it like Kabam Field, you know, for like a sponsorship rights uh, revenue stream there. But I I think Stanford. I remember reading about them. They I don't think the university wants anything to do with Oakland Raiders and having them come and destroy their their new stadium or it's new within the last, you know, 10 years since it was built, I think. But, uh, and yeah, so I, I, I mean, those are, those seem like those are good options, but it doesn't sound like they're actual, they are, they are options for the Raiders, uh, to choose. So it, it's, it sounds like it's narrowed down to Levi's or the Coliseum. If you're going to stay in the Bay area, you know, I think, and I mean, the Raiders could, I you know, honestly, what I want to see is I want to see the Raiders have to play in the Chargers old stadium in San Diego and see what that does. Because I would just that would be really. Not only would it make sense for the fact of getting LA fans down to San Diego because there are LA Raider fans that still exist. They have a huge following on yeah. that. I would still they would drive down there and go to those games. And you know the Oakland fans. Know. What that's that's a super hot take, man. Because they come in. San Diego hates the Raiders. Yes, like, exactly. Like, but. But San Diego also hates the Chargers, and the Chargers just left to go to L.A., you know? That would be really great, actually. 
I want to know what that's like, dude. I want to know what happens one year. The Raiders are in the. Let's say they go to San Diego and they're not get. They're not gonna. I mean, I don't think they're gonna do anything next year. But like, let's say they actually compete. You know, Gruden gets his draft some young stuff. I don't know. It's not gonna happen. They're gonna be trash. Yeah. But you know, like they're gonna be awful. They're gonna be awful. And I, I, you know, more power to them being awful because I think it's deserved right now. I don't understand what they're doing. They're going all in on Gruden. I have no idea, dude. I've I've abandoned that team, and I proudly have done it. <laughs> I've abandoned whole, that team. The but, whole moving to Las Vegas thing. It just ticks me off. Our, yeah, together. it's heartbreaking, man. And it's a, you know, but that's what they are and that's what they're going to be. So it's, it'd be really interesting to see what happened if they actually did play a season in San Diego, like what the reception was down there as far as like local San Diego fans that are just dis- former disgruntled, you know, Charger fans who used to hate the Raiders, but now it's like, well, we're going to take what we can get and we have a temporary team here at Qualcomm, you know, or if it's still called Qualcomm, I don't even know. But yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That'd be, I think that'd be interesting. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where they end up. Like, I have no idea where it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, that, like, you got to make a decision here soon because schedule the, the away teams need to know where they're going. Yeah, you like, know? In like April you, is where they you, start releasing the schedule. Yeah, so, I, think. I yeah. mean, like, eventually, it's not just about the Raiders. They're going to be affecting travel planes of all the other seven teams. Or I guess if you include the, the preseason, the other nine teams that they're going to be playing. So, uh, the NFL, I don't know what the cutoff is, but there's going to be a point where the NFL is going to basically gonna... say, you have to do this now. Because we can't wait. Anymore. Yeah, or they're gonna have the NFL is gonna have to step in somehow and and hey, help him. If you it. want, you want me to throw a hot take out there to you? Throw it. So, and I'm gonna give an anecdote too. So, back in college, when I was at St. Mary's, our lacrosse team got sanctioned. I'm not gonna give you the details of why. We got sanctioned, and they told us we could not play any um, travel lacrosse games. So, like, we couldn't go out to Stanford and play them. We couldn't go down to L.A. and play Occidental or Biola or any of these teams down here, um, Pepperdine, uh, UCLA, that stuff, right? Yeah. So, they, so we had to, like, tell everybody, like, look, like, sorry, like, they sanctioned us. Our school's not letting us travel. So why don't you guys just come here for our home game and then, you know, we'll play the next two away games uh, at your guys' place for the next – because you're supposed to alternate every year. So you play UCLA at home one year. Next year you play them away. I think I know where this is going. And alternate each year. All right. So – what I'm thinking about the Raiders is that they play all their games away. Oh, my that's God. I, <laughs> I knew that's where you were going with it. And then the compromise is what they make up for it the next over the, the course of the next two years. game home schedule the next year. Go for it. You know what? If you, if you screw over your fan base, if you, if you can't find – and you screw over the city that housed you for, I don't know, 50 years, if you screw them over and then you don't have a place to play – I really feel like, look, like not only, first of all, are you completely inept as a front office that you can't find a stadium in any area that can house your fans because your fan base is a bunch of violent criminals. Like, you have all of these things coming together. And I'm sorry, that's actually true. The FBI says if you wear, like, wearing Raiders stuff is basically gang-affiliated colors at this point. That's a big reason why they don't want these that team coming to San Diego. They don't want them anywhere. Well, that's a reason Nobody they didn't want them going back to L.A. either. You know, uh, that's it, it. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you if if all those things taken together, you know, this is what you deserve, man. You deserve to play all your games away. Go, you know, you got to go to San Diego twice. You know, you got to go to Denver twice. You know, and that's just the way it's going to have to be because maybe maybe like you give them quote home field advantage, like they get to choose the toss. 
or they get to choose what side of the field they're on, or, you know what I mean, whatever, whatever like, crap, they alternate, you know, like, you know, which side of the field you're on, I, I don't fuck, I don't, I don't care, um, either way, I think that that's the only solution, if they don't have a stadium, that's literally the only thing that they can do, I mean, if they don't have one, what are they supposed to do, they can't just say, oh, we're just gonna have it here and there, wherever we can go, well, the NFL, I mean, they need to have- I, I think the NFL could come in and, like, even if Mark Davis doesn't want to, somehow, but the Niners are willing to let him play at Levi, I think the NFL could potentially come in and override, override that and just force them to have to do that in order to make something happen where they can move forward. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm This yeah. is a complete guess from my end of just, like, how that could work. But, like, I could see the NFL forcing a hand here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting I, – I like that take. That's creative, Bobby. I'll give you that. That's pretty uh, – <laughs> that'd be pretty cool. No, I'm really thinking if, if you can't get a deal done, I mean, what's to say that they don't just play every game away? And, you know, I mean, sure, it puts the players through a lot of crap, and they've, you know, they've got to, uh, but if you, I guess they've already made the schedule, though, so that's got to be, that's got to be weird, you know? So, well, yeah, I think and, the schedules get released and come out yeah, in, they, in they know, April. They know the opponents, yeah. they, but... But they, they they know home and away. They just don't know, you know, the order. But yeah, yeah, it's coming out like you said. I think in April, so they gotta figure it out soon. Yeah, they do. And and I mean, that's when teams start making they start making travel arrangements and all the hotels and flights and all that stuff. So it's you're also giving a really unfair advantage if you do that. I mean, my my hot take: if you do that, you're putting a, you're giving a really unfair advantage to the AFC West, where it's like you know three three or uh, three of the teams. Uh, you know the the Broncos, the Chargers, uh, and uh, what, Chiefs, what's the other one? The, the Chiefs, Chiefs yeah. yeah. They all uh, basically have you know three extra home games, and I mean that that, that makes it a lot easier on them. It makes it easier on their bodies. It may, I mean, I'm sure it maybe maybe the records may not reflect that, but it's definitely going to be easier than having to travel to Oakland or you know the Bay Area uh, on those three different occasions. So, I you know I I, I think. I, but I, I, I really don't know because I, I don't think the NFL can kind of step in and be like, okay, San Francisco, you've got to lend, lend your stadium to these guys because they're sons of bitches. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just going to – the optics are terrible. And if that does happen, you're bet, you bet your bottom dollar that, that, that San Francisco and, and, and uh, Jed York and all of his infinite stupidity is going to make sure that they pay them a crap ton of money. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to get started on how much the front office for the 49ers pisses me off. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think I feel like the Niners. I think I think like and I think Ben mentioned it is you know if the Niners are willing to say okay, you, like you can play in our stadium, but if it's the Raiders and you know Davis, Davis saying yeah. like he he doesn't want to do it, I think then at that point probably the NFL steps and say hey, you have a team willing to take you in. You're literally homeless. Like, you got to do it. Yeah. I think if the Niners protest against it, obviously it's their stadium. I don't think the NFL forces them to, but yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. But Yeah, I just wanted, uh, I wanted to make sure we got in... Uh got in some opinions here and takes on uh, where we think the Raiders will play next season because that's... Oh, boy. That's an interesting one right there. This is... Uh, why, why are they... I, why are they moving? I, I still don't get it. Like, I, I, I just don't understand. I mean, the the thing that you would say for the last, for my lifetime at least, was where, you know, people would always say to me, where's Oakland? And I'd be like, oh, that's where the Raiders play. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. O- yeah, Oakland, okay. But, like, now what am I going to say? It, that, that's that place where there used to be a bunch of stabbings, but now... 
there's all these really bougie uh, restaurants and a bunch of white people moved in and, and gentrified the crap out of it. Like, nobody's going to know where that is. That's everywhere now. True. And so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, t- yeah, it's sad. But like taking it back to that's where the Raiders play. It's like it's also where the Warriors play. But now the Warriors are jumping ship to the bay, other side of the bay, which is, you know what? That's fair enough. The Warriors were originally from San Francisco. Oh, well, when yeah. they were in the Bay Area, right? They were, they were the San Francisco Warriors, and then they came over to Golden State. You know, they're gonna—they're obviously going to keep that that as their name, the Golden State. They're not going to change back to San Francisco Warriors. But, like, I just think it's, it's kind of sad that we're seeing Oakland being abandoned, essentially, even knowing it's just across the Bay for the Warriors. But then the Raiders are going to Vegas, and now, like, you know, it's, they just got the A's now. And it's like even Marshawn Lynch said, right, in, the, in that city. I don't know if you heard his quote, uh, but Noah was at that uh, – our buddy Noah is uh, one of the guys work helping work on the stadium. He's the manager of project development there. But he uh, he was saying that like Marshawn said, "You guys, you're losing the Warriors, you're losing the Raiders, you best not lose the A's." <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> what he, support, supporting the new stadium proposal, yeah, is you know beast mode, defending Oakland, hoping that they hold on to the athletics and get this stadium stadium approved and you know they they gotta keep something and i think that if oakland is transitioning into the san francisco type city that i i think it is because i think of all the changes that they've been going through all the development that the oakland days will be the centerpiece just like the giants are um for san francisco in terms of the sports franchises there and it's been my new experience that these metropolitan areas can't stand the nfl they don't like the uh, type of fans it brings in. They don't like the. They, I mean, the revenue is probably good, but they don't. They don't like the the type of of bad look it gives everybody. Because you know, there was like a few years back, the Raiders and the Niners got into this big brawl, and uh, for a preseason game, you know, it wasn't even a real game. It was like a preseason game, and I think that's why San Francisco would rather have the Ryder Cup and a bunch of, you know, you know sweater wearing boaters out there on their sailboats uh, than, than to see the 49ers play in San Francisco. Yeah. You know? And same thing with Oakland. Oakland would much rather see a bunch of, you know, nerdy, statistical, like, you know, what's it called, Moneyball-type fans to watch the A's all the time than have these, like, really scary Raider fans. I'm sorry. Raider fans are scary. Like, the black hole <laughs> is a scary place. It is not... It's like, that's like where the purge was thought of. There were a bunch of guys <laughs> in the black hole, and they were like, hey, I got this idea. What if there was like this one day where we could just be ourselves? We could be murderers like we are like in secret, but we could do it in public. Let's do that. Dude, and that is the cr- like, <laughs> that's <laughs> quote of the podcast right there, dude, easily. That's, that is literally where the black hole of the Raiders is literally where the purge was created. All right. <laughs> I'm just Place. like i don't i, I don't imagine people in las vegas being as crazy but they probably are no I, I it's like... it's gonna work it, it it fits everybody sees it and i think it's gonna it's gonna work like vegas is now becoming a city where they they want to they want professional sports teams you know they that they, they, they started with the golden knights you know the golden knights are there and now the raiders are on their way and um it's yeah, it's it just I it works. It's gonna make sense. It's sad because no, it, 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 it's it gonna yeah, yeah it will. It's gonna make sense. So, um, yeah. Well, dude, good. This is uh this has been a pleasure, uh, Bobby, Bobby the Brick. Everyone, uh, thank you for joining <laughs> the CB Sports Podcast with those super sizzling takes. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to to give you not only hot takes, but like something that sounds moderately rational. But <laughs> next time, I'm gonna up my vocabulary. I'm gonna try to work blasphemous in there. Um, and, you know, uh, it's blasphemous. It's it's unheard of. It's, <laughs> Get some of that. Get get some of that lawyer get some of that lawyer energy lawyer talk you know uh, we, we'll get some of that stuff in here you know uh, I object to that <laughs> there we go there it is all right Bobby the Brick thank you for joining us here on the CB Sports thanks, Podcast buddy. man thanks for having me all right so yeah that was our conversation that's, with that's, with Bobby that's some, Bobby uh, dude <laughs> some hot takes but <laughs> um, character but, man yeah. I love that guy you know I. Bobby and I met working together at Oakwood and just, uh, yeah, man, we talked sports, pop culture, everything every day. So I know Bobby reached out and was like, dude, you got the podcast going. Like, let me get on that. Let me, and I'm like, yeah, dude, get on here. Let's talk. So really, really happy to, you know, have the opportunity for Bobby to join us on here and we'll definitely, we'll have him back. We'll have him back in a few weeks. For sure. Weeks, we're, you know? We'll make it, we'll make it, uh, Bobby the Brick Fridays or Bobby something. Bobby the Brick, yeah. Maybe not, like a, not, not every Friday, yeah. but you know, because you know, he has, he has other, uh, other, another job. He's, not yeah. that this is even a job, but you know, yeah, exactly. he has other responsibilities. Other responsibilities, but, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, well, sure. definitely, it was funny because I, I had never met him before. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't really know what to expect, but I think our views, uh, kind of lined up and, but it was yeah no it was cool it yeah was a, for sure it was a cool we were Giants for fans sure. and Niners fans so you guys can bond over that but uh, yeah we'll have them back and actually we'll uh, we're gonna have some other guests coming up you know down the line we have a few other people ready to go that we we want to have on here so we're pretty you know break it up from just hearing you know Chris and myself yeah. uh, ramble on you know but uh, I think uh, and also we're gonna we're gonna add in a new segment coming in not this week because this podcast is already running really. <laughs> really long time wise but we're gonna do a segment i think on uh some jersey jersey watch you know and like uniform watch yeah definitely well because i know i know you're like a big like uniform guy big jersey guy like i'm rocking one right now dude yeah i'm rocking rocking a dion phaneuf he's got he's got a a maple leafs jersey and then a a sharks a sharks beanie sharks beanie that's right this is like the third podcast so uh, literally all three podcasts where i think you've like repped a different team on your head and then another team on you had a, like you guys, a, the Dodgers and Chargers yeah, like one, you know so but it's you know it's interesting to That's what I see, do, man. see I your like mix to, you know every part of your body is if you represent one of your yeah. teams right when you have yeah. so many teams that you like to watch but yeah cool. but anyway no but yeah. I mean, my point yeah um, is like yeah we'll go into the jerseys and all that stuff because yeah. I'm like most of you probably know like I'm a big hat guy so I love Dude, yeah. Uh, I've, <laughs> I have a bunch of hats. Like, I love logos and, and all that stuff. So, I think we both kind of have a good basis as far as, like, we maybe maybe not, like, what looks Mer- great, but, like, what looks cool or whatever. <laughs> we have I don't our know. opinions. We yeah. have our opinions. But, yeah, like, I think next week let's definitely touch because I know MLB released uh, the new spring training hats. So, yeah. let's let's talk about those next week and a few other things. I think that'll be a good uh, good segment to look forward to next week. And I think we're going to try and get an earlier episode next week uh, around Tuesday, Wednesday is what we're going to shoot for. So, we don't have as much of a gap you know longer than a week between episodes here so hopefully just a short break between this episode and next week's and yeah until then i think uh, enjoy and have a good weekend everyone and we'll see you next that's week that's it yeah. yeah see ya